All right, this is part two of a two-part series called Staying on Fire for Jesus. And if you're thinking, some of you are saying, oh, praise God, I want to stay on fire for Jesus. If you're thinking, man, I just want to get on fire for Jesus, well, the, the message will still relate to you because you could just put these things into practice that we are talking about, and they will encourage you to just be fired up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Years ago, uh, when I was in a church, I was a new Christian. I uh, was so excited to be in a Christian church because my first uh, several months as a Christian, I was the only Christian I knew, but I was reading all about them, and I knew they weren't in the Roman Catholic Church. I'm not saying that there's nobody there that doesn't get saved, but I believe they get saved. They typically are going to come out of the Roman Catholic Church. In fact, eventually they always leave the Roman Catholic Church because when you, if they are truly seeking Jesus and they die before they get out, well, they get out at that point, right? Uh, but... Uh, at the same time, those only Christians I knew were the believers I found at a fellowship. Uh, and then, of course, I, was, I found many more other believers. Uh, I mean, I had non-believers knocking on my door, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, you know. And I was the only Christian I knew. And I'd check out their doctrines and so forth in light of the Scripture. I was just diving in the Scripture. And, and their doctrines weren't uh, consistent with what I was reading in the Scripture. And I was like, Lord, help me find your church. And I noticed that the Mormons and the JWs that had come to my house, and sometimes I'd meet in, meeting with several of them, uh, were both saying they were the one true church and that all their doctrines aligned. And whatever you, whenever you walked into one of their buildings, they, they were exactly alike, you know? Kind of like McDonald's, right? But I thought it was interesting because when I was reading the book of Revelation, I saw Jesus' letters to the seven churches, and I saw that they didn't all look exactly alike, in fact, some had different problems and some had other problems and some had different strengths and some had other strengths. Of course, if they all walked how we call them to walk, you know, uh, they would be perfected and they would all be alike and like-minded in their doctrine and what have you. But their doctrines were not those of the JWs and the Mormons. And I saw that pretty quick as I was studying scripture. But what a joy it was to be in fellowship with genuine believers, those who truly uh, love Christ. But one of the things that kind of shocked me early on, because I was street witnessing from a pretty young age as a Christian, I was witnessing to everybody I could, that was around me. In fact, to the point where I'm sure I was quite annoying as the uh, local Jesus freak who had been the stoner in the neighborhood, or one of the many stoners. We had a lot of stoners, but not many people that were into Jesus. And uh, I know that uh, I could tell when I was sharing with people some their reactions, like they just wanted me to go, <laughs> you know. I wasn't offering them a bong load or... Uh, you know, saying, let's go get high or drunk. I was had a, singing a totally different tune. But when I found a bunch of believers, I was so excited. But one thing I noticed is that there were people amongst the people I was fellowship, fellowshipping with that weren't as excited as I would hope they would be about the Lord because I was brand new in the Lord and excited and I, and I was passing out tracts and everything. And I remember one older guy said, I used to be like that. I used to pass out tracts when I was young. And I made a decision in my heart at that point. I mean, I loved on the guy. Didn't mean he wasn't on fire for Jesus. Maybe he was sharing the gospel all the time with people at work. I don't know. I don't want to judge where he was at. But based on that, I said, Lord, by your grace, you know, may I never, I forget my exact words, but I remember at that time making a decision, Lord, please help me never stop witnessing and sharing the gospel and passing out tracts and so forth. And, and I'm not saying passing out tracts is a measure as to whether you're strong in the Lord or not, because Probably in the first century, you know, 
they probably weren't all passing out tracts. They were just preaching the gospel, right? Eventually, they started writing things down and passing them out. But uh, I wanted to stay on fire for the Lord. And I'm older now. And when, when you're middle-aged like I am now, no, just kidding. I'm even older than that now. <laughs> you, want to, you don't want to lose your fire. And I feel, you know, I was just visiting a, a brother, Jason Kovar and Anita and Jana up in Arizona. And then we just visited Jack and Sue in Tennessee. We had ministry in Tennessee at the National Religious Broadcasters for a few days. We stayed a few days extra and stayed with Jack and Sue. You know, Jack, he had been one of our elders for some time. And Sue, and I mentioned how it went with uh, Jason and Anita and Jana a couple weeks back. But it was just a great time we had with them. And it was, it was just a, it was a blessing because Jack, they're retired. But guess what? They haven't lost their fire, you know? Uh, I think Jack's a couple years younger than me. <laughs> so I'm not saying they're old, you know, but they're retired because the fireman retired early, early and she's a school teacher and she moved up there and taught a little bit, but uh, they're, they're retired. But guess what? They haven't retired from sharing the gospel. They haven't said, okay, guess what? We don't have to, you know, work those, you know, nine to five jobs or what, whatever a fireman does a few days a week or what have you. Uh, we just, can now we just hang out and enjoy uh, the money and the property and stuff that the, the Lord has given us for retirement? No, I was so excited uh, to see that they're just excited about the Lord. They're on fire. And we just talked about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I mean, our, our whole, their whole lives were focused on Christ. And it was beautiful, you know. And they're talking about different people they're ministering to, uh, like a gal named Hannah Goodwill. And they call her Hannah, her, her name's Hannah Murphy, but they call her Hannah Goodwill because they met her at a Goodwill. And they started sharing with her and encouraging her in Christ, you know. And uh, she's a believer that had come from Orange County, but was helping her get her, her walk stronger. And, and then her, her, her boyfriend, I think his name's Josh, real sweet guy. And then uh, he called us sometime back and said, hey, Joe, you got to ordain me. Not that you got it, but will you so I can marry them, you know? So he, he married them, uh, brought them together as a couple, and uh, made it legal and everything. And just so beautiful. And, uh, and they just continued to minister and have Bible studies with them. And they were talking about, there was all these different people to reach out to. And then we had worship in the barn night. So their barn doesn't have any animals in it. Has a bunch of former animals, a bunch of Christians in it. And we got together and it was people from a few different churches, Christians they had met along the way. You know, they're looking for a good church. So, you know, along the way you meet different people and you meet, it was just amazing the, the array of people that were there that just loved the Lord. And we had a beautiful worship time together. And they were, they're, they're maintaining their fire for the Lord. And they're not doing it by ritualistic rote. They're doing, they're just seeking Jesus, seeking to obey him, seeking intimacy with him, seeking to be a light and a witness. And there's so many sad stories when you go to the Bible, when you read the Bible, where you read about a certain king doing great, you know, and then toward the end of his life, like Solomon or even King Josiah or many kings, right? They just get off the narrow path and your heart just breaks, you know? And the legacy they often leave is quite tragic. So it's critical that I believe we stay on fire and that's something I do. Sometimes I've counseled people several times where it just looks like their lives are over. And one of the things I say to them, I say, hey, you know what? These are bad chapters in your life, you know? But if you repent and you get right and you obey the Lord, your marriage can be saved. You can be changed, you know? And here's what you need to do to make the last chapters of your life great so you can finish well, amen? So you can have a good ending. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. 
Now get your walk right with the Lord, amen? Love your wife as Christ loves the church or love your husband and respect him and so forth. And I've seen so many relationships through the years of people I know right now, I can give you a whole list of them, where they're walking with Jesus. They're finishing well. So no matter where you've been in the past, you can have a really strong walk with the Lord now and just bring whatever's happened in the past under the blood. Ask the Lord for forgiveness, amen? And then move on to the Lord and make your last chapters great. You're leaving a legacy. What are you leaving behind for those who are watching your life? If you have children, for your children, let's end well, amen? Let's make sure our lives count. Let's make sure at our funerals we don't just hear some stories that people say to make themselves feel better about you but wonder if you're even in heaven. Let's make sure at your funeral what people say is they love the Lord, man. I know where they're at, amen? Let's finish well. Let's make sure we have a fire that burns. And I was telling Jack and Sue, we had such a great time. You know, at the end of our time together, we were leaving their, house, their, their, their place. They've got a just gorgeous place with a pond on it, just beautiful. And Jack was saying, man, he goes, if I could plan a weekend with you, you guys of the few days we just spent together. It wasn't a weekend, but well, it was, you know, right up until yesterday. Uh, he said, I would have, you know, couldn't have planned it better. It was so great. And I said, Jack, I just want to commend you guys for keeping the fire. The name of this message is Staying on Fire for Jesus, part two. And I preached this other one a couple Wednesdays back, part one. I said, I just want to commend you guys, man, for being strong in the Lord and being disciples. And he said, you know, I remember the last message you preached. Jack used to be an elder in our fellowship. Guys, in the word, knows the scripture. Same with Sue. Both are just so infectious. I love, the, both of those guys I love so much. If you know them, you just love them, right? And they're like, he's like, Joe, he goes, the last Sunday I was there before we moved. And I remember they came over to our house as well, and we bawled together as they were leaving, you know? And I was just in tears because they helped start this church with us. They were in the Bible study before this church started. And Jack said, the last Sunday we were there, Joe, you preached on David and how he, when in springtime, when kings go out to war, that he didn't go out to war. He didn't put his armor on and he fell away. And he said, man, you told, you know, you talked about, you know, we were walking, we are talking about in that message, walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh, Amen. And he said, Joe, I, that, I just took that message to heart. And I thought, when I'm retired, when we go over there and I retire, I'm going to hit the ground running. And he said, I buried that in my heart. And then I hit the ground and we've been running ever since, just going forward in Jesus. And that's the mentality we need to have, amen? We're not going to finish well if we're not in the race. But no, you don't get to a point where you say, okay, here, this is now it's time to relax. Our Sabbath rest is in Jesus, amen? amen. We're at rest from works in the sense of trying to please him in the regard to earning our salvation. If we're trusting Christ, we've already passed from death to life, amen? And those who are believing on him will not come into condemnation, it says, amen? So we want to make sure we're trusting him. That's, we're saved by grace through faith. If you're trusting him, you're saved, amen? But we will, he will look at our works in regard to how we're rewarded, amen? And the scriptures over and over and over again talk about, I can, I, I've got a whole study I have not preached yet on pleasing God, on all these verses that are so amazing on how we please God by what we do, by being a blessing to him, by being a blessing to others, and the things that please God. You can just look through your concordance, look up the word pleases, you'll find a lot of really, wow, there's a lot of things that please his heart, amen? And it just blessed my heart because I knew they were pleasing the Lord still. They didn't say, hey, I used to do that. 
They're saying, we are doing that. We want to do more for the Lord. And Jesus says to one of the churches, he commends them because he says their latter works are better than their early works. You know, with a lot of people, it's just the opposite, right? Their latter works are less than their early works. And we want to make sure that we don't lose our fire. And you need to, we need to look at our lives and say, okay, what am I doing? You know, and you look at your life and what are you doing for the Lord, you know? How are you treating people? How are you treating the people that are closest to you? Are you praying for them? Are you earnest in your prayers for them? Are you encouraging them? Are you forgiving them? Because sometimes that can clog up that love, that channel of love in our hearts, right? If you don't forgive, and then, of course, if you're not forgiving, you're having a hard time praying. So we need to make sure that we're staying right with the Lord and that we're staying on fire for Him. And it just blessed my heart that He had said that, you know. And, and it's funny because at the barn, they had just beautiful worship, you know. D Tony was our leading worship, you know, with uh, Dean, right? And Cheryl, D Tony's wife. Tony should be back today. Obviously not in time for service, but he'll be back if he's not back yet. Sometime, I think, today. He said Wednesday, I think. Uh, and Jack was speaking in between every, you know, two or three times he spoke. And one time he quoted 2 Peter chapter 1, add to your faith these seven virtues. And then he went through each virtue. And then he talked about how he says, if you do these things, you'll never fall and what have you. It was really great, you know. And I was so encouraged because he was putting to practice what the Lord of the Lord says, amen. He was adding those virtues to his life. He was talking about how growing in grace and how important it was for them to keep growing and and uh he told me i don't know if you remember that se that series we went through in second peter chapter one we didn't go through all of second peter but we went through those those verses and he goes you challenged the church to memorize those verses about adding your faith these seven virtues and sue and i took that seriously we went home and we memorized those well he did he was quoting them to everybody and encouraging everybody in them and it blessed my heart because I'm seeing them on fire. But you know, I was realizing, well, one way, way they stay in the they're staying on fire is they're hiding the word in their hearts. They're taking the Lord's teaching from the scriptures seriously, amen? And they're acting on it. And Jesus talked about that man who built his house on the rock, right? The storms come, right? The wind blows, the, the, the floods come. And the one who built his house on the rock, he stands. His house stands. But the guy that built his life on the sand, it falls. And Jesus said, the one who built his house on the rock is likened to the one who what? Builds his life on my words. Amen? So we have to be living according to his word. We want to be growing. You don't want to just stay where you're at either. You want to be growing in your walk with Jesus. And I encourage you to, you know, some of the things we talked about last time, and I'll briefly, I'll take just a few minutes it's 7.52 up there, hopefully not past 7.55 on a little summary. Uh, I'm not going to go through everything because I don't have time to go through it all. But one of the scriptures we looked at was Romans 12.11, about staying on fire for the Lord. Never be lazy in showing such devotion. Be on fire with the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Or the NIV, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So it's important that God wants us to be on fire, amen? And part of being on fire, well, in the Old Testament, it talks about the lampstand, amen? And what was it that fed the lampstand? It was oil, right? And then Jesus talked about the 10 virgins, right? 
10 of them fell asleep. This is in the context of being ready for his second coming and being watchful. And they all fall asleep. And we were interviewing a gentleman uh, who did an incredible movie uh, called Patterns of Evidence. And it's about the Exodus. He's done a few of them, actually. And we interviewed several people at National Religious Broadcasters. I don't know. How many people all together, Chad? Eight? Eight or nine? It was great. And uh, a lot of good interviews. And uh, we had a great interview with this gentleman. And I'm trying to remember his name. Tim Mahoney. I'm getting mixed up with another Italian name that was just across the way, which I dared not say because that guy was a false teacher. And I'm like, no, oh, Tim Mahoney. <laughs> That's who it is. And a neat guy that a Brother Jevin had turned us on to some time ago. And during the interview, he turned and interviewed me a little bit. He's like, well, what do you, how, do you, what do you, how do you view the, the ten you know, virgins with the ten lampstands? And what do you think that signifies? You know, and I told him the lamps and the light that comes out of the lamps. That light, I believe, is the light that comes from the Holy Spirit. That oil represents the Holy Spirit. Amen? You see that when you compare the passages in the Old Testament with the New Testament. And we need to have the Holy Spirit in our lives and as believers, every Christian has the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, if you, have none, if you have not the Holy Spirit, you're none of His. So every Christian has the Holy Spirit. But we can be filled to a greater proportion through surrendering to Him more. As Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, but be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. That word can be translated controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so it's important that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And I told him that the ten virgins, they were asleep, you know. And the lamps represent God's word. Amen? You can have God's word, but be dead. You want to make sure that you're walking in the Spirit. Amen? Filled with the Holy Spirit. And the more you submit yourself to the Holy Spirit, which is represented by oil, the more you'll shine for Jesus. Amen? Jesus said, let your light shine. Don't hide your lights under a bushel. Amen? That's a command. In other words, we can hide them under a bushel. We talked about prayer, and I want to go through these again, but, but I can't go through them in any depth. But prayer is connected to be on fire, being on fire with the Lord, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said, if you, being evil, you know, if, you're, if your children ask you for good things, and I won't go through the details of what he said to ask for, you won't give them evil things or bad things, even though you're evil. He says, how much will your Father give you the what? Holy Spirit, Amen. And Paul prayed in Ephesians 3 that we would be pray, filled with the fullness of the Spirit. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, he said, to follow me as I follow Christ. Well, Paul prayed for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray for my brothers and sisters to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But look, listen to what it says in Jude 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up, listen to this, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love that, man. Praying in the Holy Spirit. So when we pray, and we ask God for his will, the Holy Spirit, God made us by his spirit. It says he sent forth his spirit, and they were created. The spirit of God, Father created us, Jesus created us, Spirit created us. Whole triune Godhead. And we pray according to God's word, and we, we walk in his word, we, go, we end up getting in step with the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's how we are filled with the Holy Spirit, by by lining ourselves up with God's word and his will. His spirit's already moving, amen? He's already at work. 
And when we walk in step with what he's doing by submitting ourselves to him through faith in Christ, through the gospel, and then serving him, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We talked about witnessing and sharing the gospel as another means to being uh, filled with the Holy Spirit because that's the work of the Spirit, amen? And shining the light of Christ and what have you. By the way, a scripture I didn't share is Revelation twenty-two seventeen. And it says the Spirit, it's one of my favorite scriptures in Revelation, Revelation twenty-two seventeen, and, and that's the last chapter of the Bible. And it says the Spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit, and the bride, that's the church, the Spirit and the bride say come, right? Whosoever will, you know, may come, right? Whoever's thirsty, let him come and drink of the water of life freely or without cost. So notice it's the Spirit of God crying out to the lost world to come, amen? But it says the Spirit and who say come? The Spirit and the bride. At the end of the book of Revelation in chapter 19, a couple chapters before that, right before Jesus comes back, it says his bride has made herself ready, amen? She's finished her work. The Great Commission, going to all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, amen? Teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, amen? Jesus is with us to the end of the age. His Spirit's with us to the end of the age. The Holy Spirit's crying out for people to come and come to Jesus and be saved all the way to the end of the tribulation period. And it's the Spirit and the bride crying out. Well, we don't cry out. We're the bride. We're the church. Amen? The bride's a metaphor, a, a picture of the church. Amen? As husband and wife come together, become one, so us, the church, have become one with Jesus. He's called the head, and we're called the body of Christ. We're his hands and his feet. It's through us that he's doing the work. Amen? But he does the work of the gospel and spreads it by us through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why when you read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're the gifts of the Holy Spirit, amen? And he gives according to his will and according to the administrations of his will. Gives people different gifts. A lot of people have the same gifts, but they have different administrations of those gifts because people are, God uses people uniquely. You know, you each have your own fingerprint, everybody here. That's why you don't ever leave it up to one person. It was never meant to be that way. I love that God just didn't give us the gospel of Luke. I love that he gave us Matthew too. I love that he gave us Mark as well. Oh, and I love that he gave us the gospel of John. I would never know John was missing if he didn't put John there. But wow, now that I know what John says, man, I'm so glad he gave us John. Amen. And first and second, third John, amen, and the book of Revelation written by John. He uses different people in different ways. He wants to use each person here. Amen. And I praise God for the different gifts he's given different believers and he gives each one, each one a different gifts according to his will. And he, he sees the needs. I personally believe that he gives gifts according to, uh, as he wills. Each believer gets at least one gift. We know that from Ephesians 4 and uh, 1 Peter 4, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. Each of those chapters, all four of those chapters confirm that each Christian has at least one gift. But Paul says, pray earnestly that you might have the greater gifts. So he wants us to pray to be used greater, more and more greatly by God. Amen? And that shows you that he wants us to grow. And I, don't, I want to encourage you, don't just stay where you're at. Don't reach a plateau and say, I've arrived in my Christian walk. I finally feel like I'm in a place where this is just where I need to be the rest of my life. Now, I'm not saying don't be content with where you're at in the Lord in this sense. If you're walking in righteousness, right, you've grown and you're not rebelling against the Lord and he's using you and, and you're witnessing and everything, that's great. That's a great place to be, amen? 
but continue every day to grow. It says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, the last you know, verse in 2 Peter, grow in grace. Amen? He wants us to grow. And if we're not growing, we're dying. Because I don't believe you just stay at a plateau and you stay there for years. So we're called to grow. Amen? The Bible says the outward man is decaying day by day, but the inner person for the Christian is being renewed day by day. Amen? That's a great verse that you appreciate more and more as you get older. Because, yeah, the outer man's decaying. Not as fast as you were as you get older or as strong as we were or what have you. But, man, the inner person is getting stronger and stronger. My son, man, could say to me, Dad, I could whoop you in a race, that is. So a lot bigger than him, you know. And I could say back to him, yeah, but my inner man could whoop you, you know. Never said that, but I just thought of that as I'm up here. <laughs> because our inner man is what? Growing from day to day. You have a spiritual man, amen? And I hope I can't whip him because he's my son. So you always want your sons and your daughters and your brothers and sisters to just keep growing beyond what you, you have even. So we want to keep growing and growing in the Lord. But we want to recognize that there is this spiritual aspect of who we are, right? The Bible says physical discipline is profitable for a little in this world. But spiritual discipline is profitable in this world for much and in the world to come. So you want to make sure, you're, how's your spiritual disciplines lately? Do you even know what spiritual disciplines are? Meditating on God's word. Not meditating on your navel, you know. Meditate on God's word, amen. Who would ever want to meditate on their navel, you know. And that's the difference between biblical meditation and eastern meditation. Eastern meditation is inward and selfward. Biblical meditation is outward toward God and God's word and about his word, amen, his truth, because we're being renewed and made into his image because that's, what's, that's the plate of humanity, amen. You recognize man's problem, right? We always talk about double trouble. He's guilty of sin. We're all guilty of sin. We know it deep down. If we're honest, the Bible says he who says he's without sin is a liar. The truth isn't in him. So we know deep down we're sinners and that we need forgiveness. And the only way we can get forgiveness is through God sending his son into the world. And Jesus died in our place, amen? It's the only way we get forgiven is through what Christ did on the cross. But we don't just have that problem. Praise God, that's resolved through the cross. But we're in double trouble. The other problem is we have these fallen sinful natures that are bent on sin, amen? We recognize that humanity has a sin problem. And even when we get saved and we're born again, amen, we still have that old, ma that old man, that Adamic nature, that bent toward evil that we have to deny ourselves, as Jesus said, and follow Christ. And that only comes through setting our eyes on Jesus, that only comes through denying ourselves, that only comes through walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the oil, represents, he brings forth the light in us as believers. Now, it's interesting because as I work through this passage, and I can't go back to next week because it would take too long, but we actually were going through 2 Peter chapter 1, 2, 3, and that's where we started. I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter one, two, and three last, two weeks ago, actually. And we're talking about uh, Paul. And I thought, what a great place to be because Paul is a little bit older. He's gonna be beheaded by Nero. And he hasn't lost his faith at the end of his life, right? He says he's finished his race, right? He's fought the good fight, that he's kept the faith, amen? He stayed on fire for Jesus. So I'm like, what does his life look like at the end of his life, right? How did he stay on fire so we're using 2 Peter kind of as almost like a, a semi-outline 
to look at his life and it's remarkable to see what his priorities were. And we have to think of priorities. Because you, do you want to be blessed at work? Do you want to be blessed at home? Do you want to be blessed with your loved ones, neighbors, friends? You'll only be blessed if you seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus said, and his righteousness. Then all these needs we have would be met, right? We'll only ultimately be blessed if we're walking with God and we don't try to do it our way. Who would we be to think that we could do it better than him and we don't need your word, you know? Everything that is semi-sophisticated, semi-important, has some kind of instruction manual to it, right? Well, the most important thing in life is life itself, right? And we have the God you factures handbook right here, man. He says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, Amen. And that all scripture is profitable, right? For doctrine, right? For training in righteousness, right? That we can be fully equipped and live the lives God's called us to live. So we praise him for his word. But something interesting, in 2 Timothy 1, 6, Paul says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame, fan into a flame, talking about being on fire for God, right? The gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I brought that up at the beginning of the first message. But I want to bring you back to at least that as we continue to go through some of 2 Timothy. Look at what Timothy says. Paul's telling Timothy, or look what he says in Timothy. He's telling him to fan into flame the gift that's been given to him. We've all been given gifts, one or more. Physically, you're born with physical gifts. Spiritually, you're born with, when you're born again, when you actually come to Christ and you're born again, that means you've been forgiven of your sins and the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. You're no longer lost. The Lord lives in you. When you're born again, you have spiritual gifts. And we are to fan them into a flame, using them for God's glory, not burying them. Remember the guy that was given all those talents? Remember how Jesus talked about a few different people that were given talents? And talents were a measurement of money, okay? Remember what they did? Two of the guys, what did they do? They invested and they made more talents, right? What did the one guy do? He buried his talent, right? And Jesus pronounced judgment on him, right? Thrown into outer darkness, you know? Because he just buried his talent. We're not called to bury our talent, man. We're called to let our light shine, amen? Make your life count. Why would you not make your life count, man? Make your life count. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, it says, you are aware of the fact that, now this is Paul. At the end of his life, he's in a Roman prison. He's going to be beheaded. He has some time left. You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me. Wow. Among whom are Phagellus uh, and Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiris. For he has often, uh, listen to this, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. Us, oh, one brother showed up, man. In fact, he says, but when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. He wasn't afraid of his chains. Remember when Jesus was arrested to be crucified? All the disciples split. Peter followed from a distance. When you follow Jesus from a distance, you could get cold. John was at the cross. But Jesus said, all of you will fall away. So in some way he had fallen away as well. He eagerly searched for me and found me. 
The Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know very well what services he rendered at Ephesus. That's a brother who sticks out. Let's be brothers and sisters that stand out when things are tough. That we just don't go the way of the world or we don't go the way of the professing church when things get ugly. That we're still standing. He was a refreshment to him, like a drink of cold water. Amen? Like a drink of cold water when you're parched. I love what it talks about of the fellowship that we bring, and I really believe that helps us stay on fire is being in fellowship with uh, one another in the Lord, and we'll talk a little bit about that later as well. But being in fellowship is so important to be on fire, and it's also refreshing. Paul said everybody took off. He was arrested for the gospel. He had partners in ministry. Everybody pretty much had forsaken him. But he said, this brother refreshed me. And we have to think of brothers and sisters that need to be refreshed where nobody at all is reaching out to them. Now, if it's their choice and they don't want to be reached out to and they're like, I want nothing to do with Jesus, at least pray for them, amen? But Paul wasn't saying that. Paul was seeking the Lord, amen? And there's a beautiful thing going on there. I love what it says. It talks about, you know, how blessed, right? How beautiful it is, right? For brethren to dwell and to get together in unity, Amen. When our brothers and sisters are united, the Greek word is koinonia in the New Testament. I love that word koinonia. Fellowship's kind of a funny word, you know, in the English, fellowship, you know. But, but the meaning of it's beautiful. But the word koinonia, man, to have all things in common as believers in, in the context of the Greek New Testament when it refers to the church. And we have the same master, amen. We have the same spirit. We have the same living word of God, amen. We have the same blessed hope of Jesus, amen. It's just beautiful. We have koinonia. And it says how blessed, right? How beautiful it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. And it says it's like the dew of Mount Hermon, right? Blowing over Jerusalem. And like the oil running down Aaron's beard. There's a lot of meaning there. Because in Jerusalem, that was southern Israel, right? Not as south as like the Dead Sea, but it was not northern Israel. It was southern Israel where the tribe of Judah and Benjamin were, not where the ten tribes were. But Mount Hermon was more to the north, northern Israel. And it was snow-capped. If you visit Israel, you'll trip out because a lot of the year it's snow-capped. And the dew of Mount Hermon would blow over into Jerusalem. And when it got to Jerusalem, guess what? Hot Jerusalem became refreshed. Refreshed. God's given us a picture. The, the Jews in Jerusalem would say, wow, that's what fellowship is like, right? Being amongst God-fearing believers. And that's an Old Testament passage. And the Bible says, the psalmist said, I'm a companion. I'm a companion with all those who fear you. And the church is really strange right now. There's a lot of people veering from the truth, amen? And I love that. I'm a companion with all those who fear you. Because there's many people that don't fear the Lord anymore. It's just kind of, he's kind of a divine bellhop. You get rich quick gimmick kind of thing. A lot of hypocrisy going around, man. But when you fear the Lord, you meet believers that fear the Lord, it's a beautiful thing. You need to treasure that. You need to treasure the relationships that you have where you have brothers and sisters that fear the Lord. I gravitate toward brothers and sisters who fear God, who recognize that he's holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, that he's pure. The Bible says over and over again, he's a consuming fire. Oh, he's also God in the flesh. You look at Jesus, that's God, amen? But that's in the flesh, He's, he's love, absolutely, but he's also holy, 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 amen? 
And it's like the dew of Mount Hermon when you're in good fellowship with people that love Jesus. There's such a beauty to that, amen, where people are talking about the Lord. I love it because in the Old Testament, Malachi, it talks about when people talk about the Lord and they fear him, when those who fear the Lord talk about him, he writes in a book of remembrance their names. It excites the Lord when people know who he is. And it excites me when I'm around believers that truly love God and want to obey him and want to honor him and want to glorify him, amen? And it's beautiful because it's like the dew of Mount Hermon. It's refreshing because there's, there's something really beautiful and dynamic when you're around believers that love the Lord and are serving him because the Holy Spirit's at work. And the word of God is there. The Bible says, Jesus said to his disciples, you, I've, you know, you've been washed, right? By the word of truth. Amen. Jesus said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And it says he washed her in the word, right? Jesus said, you're clean through the word that I've spoken to you. That's the scripture I was referencing when he washed him in the truth, right? And it says that we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And he washed her in the washing of the word of God. So you get that refreshment like the dew of Mount Hermon over Jerusalem. But it's not just, not just, it's not just that. It says it's like oil coming down Aaron's beard. Who was Aaron? Who was Aaron? Brother Moses, you're both right. Different answers, but you're both right. Well, Bungie, you were right on this side and that side because he is a brother Moses, but he was also the high priest, the first high priest, as someone said. The high priest. Who's the ultimate high priest? Jesus. Aaron was a picture of Jesus, the high priest. Amen. Remember the high priest vestments in the Old Testament? He had 12 beautiful jewels on his chest over his heart. Who do those jewels, each jewel represent? Each represent a what? The 12 tribes of Israel, God's people, amen, over his heart. He represented them before the Father. He's a picture of Jesus who gave himself for all of us. But Aaron, as a high priest, a picture of Jesus, what's flowing down his beard? Oil. Oil represents the Holy Spirit, amen? And being in fellowship with your brothers and sisters is a beautiful picture of being refreshed with water, cool air, and the Spirit of God. And you can't be on fire for the Lord if you reject fellowship with other believers. So it's very, very important that we understand how beautiful it is to be in fellowship. Now, Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, since we've been talking about 2 Timothy a little bit again, Verses 9 and 10, make every effort to come to me. He's soon. He says this to Timothy. Timothy is his young child in the faith. Make every effort to come to me soon. He's writing from prison. For Demas, Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. So Demas fell away. He loved the present world. In verse 16, a few verses further, he says, At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. Notice he's not letting his love grow cold toward these guys, right? He's forsaken, and instead of wanting to put a knife in their backs, say, I can't believe they did this to me, he's praying for them. Amen? And to maintain fellowship with brothers and sisters in the church of the living God, you need to be a big forgiver. If you want to have a successful marriage, you need to be really good at forgiving. Amen? You need to be a big forgiver. If you want to have a successful walk with Jesus, with brothers and sisters, you need to be quick to forgive. Why? Because there's going to be times where you're going to be hurt by other brothers and sisters. That's what happens in every family to one degree or another. You get hurt. Amen? 
Well, when you get a family that's made of millions and millions of people, you're bound to get hurt. Amen? But you just know in your heart, I'm going to keep going forward in Jesus. Amen? If someone steps on my toes, some people get out of fellowship because they stub their toe. Oh, I'm not going to church today, man. I stubbed my toe. Somebody might be watching right now and said, man, I was going to go to Blessed Hope tonight, but I stubbed my toe, and now I'm really convicted. Well, if you stubbed it bad, no biggie. If you stubbed it a little bit, yeah, you probably should have been here. It's between you and the Lord, though. No judgment. Just, hey, just playing with you a little bit. I say that because I've found too many times I'll say something like that, and somebody said, I can't believe you said that, you know? But sometimes people get all tweaked, and they just aren't in fellowship anymore because they go through a little tiny skirmish with someone, and then you don't see them anymore. Don't let that be you. Of course you're going to have skirmishes with people. First of all, if you're truly following Jesus and you love him, right? All those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Sometimes you'll suffer in the church. If you go to the wrong, if you go to church that's not following Jesus, you'll get all kinds of persecution. Amen? But if you're truly following Jesus, you're going to have, you're in, you're in his family. Of course you're going to get, you know, some situations where, you know, you get bent out of shape here and there. or Somebody gets bent out of shape with you. You don't throw in the towel and just quit. I've used the illustration before, I'm sure. How many of you have gone to a Dodgers game and seen some rude people there? You say, I'm never, ever going to a sporting event again. No, you probably wouldn't say that, you know. But people will do that because it's oftentimes an excuse not to put the Lord first in our lives. Don't do that, man. Don't do that. Well, I have problems with everybody, man. Everybody's a problem. Well, then I say, if everybody smells like a terrible cheese, check your mustache. You might have a piece of cheese stuck in your mustache. It might be you, right? Because if you have a problem with everybody, a lot of times the problem falls on you, right? Because I've been a pastor for over 30 years, easy now. And most people I know, especially in this fellowship, most people I know in this fellowship, by far and away, almost everybody, you know? If you ask me who, who would you think you put on the list, I don't know. I'm just speaking kind of general right now. But they love the Lord, and they're good people. Because God's changed their hearts, amen? We have new hearts in Christ. And they love the Lord, and they're trying to do the best they can. Do they still fall short? Yes. Can you still have trouble with someone uh, letting you down? Yes, that's going to happen. But look how quick Paul is to forgive. At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. And may it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. I love that. So when everybody else abandoned him, he said the Lord stood with me, amen? This is one thing you can count on. You have... a the Bible says that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, amen? At least I believe that proverb applies to Jesus. He'll never let you down. And it's his church, amen? amen. So we're going to be with him ultimately so that uh, through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. Wow. Listen to what he says about Timothy though when he's writing to the Philippian church, and Philippian, this was also when he was in prison, a little bit earlier, I believe. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who would genuinely be concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interest, not those of Christ Jesus. Whew. Wow, that's, that's heartbreaking. Make sure you're not just going to church for yourself, man. Make sure you're not just fellowship for yourself. Make sure you're going because you, want to, because you have the interest of Christ Jesus, Amen. Why am I in fellowship? Well, when I got in fellowship, I've told you my testimony. I won't tell you my testimony again. A lot of you have heard my testimony. But after I became a Christian and got saved, I was praying, Our Father who art in heaven, Our Father, Our 
who in the world is our, you know? Because I don't know who these other, forgive us our sins, who's, who's, who are these brothers and sisters, you know? And I wanted to find my, I knew they were around. I read the scripture. I knew there were churches around. I'm like, who is the true church? And I found it to be those who truly embrace Jesus Christ as God, amen? Risen from the dead, died for our sins, born of a virgin, embraced the word of God, fear and love the Lord, amen? Teach the whole counsel of God. And it was really awesome to find those brothers and sisters. But you know what? I went to church not because, you know what? I want to go to church to feel good. I want to go to church to see what I can get out of it. No, I went to church because Jesus Christ is my Lord. And he commanded me to go to church. He commands me. not. I'd read in the scripture, don't forsake the assembly yourselves together. I said, I need to find a church. Because my Lord, my God commands me to be at a church. And I'd read how they built each other up and they edified each other. And I realized, man, I need to be in a church because I need to build people up in Jesus. Oh, what I was witnessing... I was witnessing to my friends, you know, I was witnessing to my, my parents and my siblings, and one by one, my friends and my siblings, all of them got saved. My mom, and as you know, my dad got saved a couple years ago, about six months or so before he died or so. But you know, I was witnessing to people, but I thought, man, I need to also be around believers. So I obey, obeyed the scripture to be in fellowship, you know, to not forsake the assembly of myself together. And in that passage, it says, do it all the more as we see the day of Christ approaching. Amen. That means more than just Sundays, huh? It's funny because when Jack and I were talking and then he shared it with the barn group, he goes, yeah, I was noticing that. It says in 1025, all the more as you see the day of Christ approaching. I mean, not just Sundays. All the more. Get together even more as you see Christ coming. Get closer as the world gets worse. And I said, yeah, Jack. And then if you back up to Hebrews 3, verse 13, it says to encourage one another. How often, guys? Anybody remember? Daily. Daily. Amen. And that sandwich between two verses that warned against falling away, I mentioned to him. Because in 3.12, it says, See to it, brethren, that there's not a, a, a uh, well, it warns that none of your hearts would be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin and falling away from the living God. Because sin can make your heart hard against the things of God. And you can fall away. And it's in that light where he says to encourage one another daily is it still called the day? He's talking about hearing the voice of the Spirit because the Spirit of God uses believers, amen? And then the verse right after it says daily, he goes on to say, for we are Christ's house. We belong to him in his house. If we hold fast, the beginning of our confession, steadfast to the end, again, we need to finish well. So fellowship is so important. It's so key. So I resolved in my heart, I'm not going to church because it feels good. I'm going to church because I love Jesus. And hopefully I can find a good church where they preach the word of God, amen, and where the pastor is not compromised. And hopefully I can find a church where people love one another and they obey the scripture and so forth, you know? And those churches are hard to find. Oh, I believe, I'm kind of biased, I'm sure, but I believe you found one here. You have, you have no excuse not to be fellowship, amen? Uh, so it's important. So Paul says of Timothy this beautiful thing and how he cares and he has the interest of Christ. Philippians 2, 3 and 4, Paul says, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Wow. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. How, what does this have to do with staying on fire? Everything, man. Because if you're filled with yourself, you're not going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, amen? 
because you're filled with yourself. You're constantly thinking about yourself and you, you have a problem. You're a narcissist. Narcissists are those people that are self-focused and that's how the world is, really. But we're called to be like Christ, amen? And we're called to walk in love, not the world's version of love. I love you, baby. Guy gets her pregnant, then asks her to have an abortion, kill the baby, or I'm leaving you. No, the biblical love is agape love, amen? As it's defined in the New Testament, love does not seek its own, amen? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, amen? We're being made into the image of God that we lost. That's the double trouble. Forgiveness, forgiven in Jesus. Now our natures are being remade by the Holy Spirit remaking us, amen, into the Lord's image according to truth, according to holiness, according to righteous behavior that glorifies and pleases God. So we're being transformed. And guess what? That scripture right there says, let this, goes on to say, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he found himself, although he was in the very nature of God, right? Didn't consider equality with God something to just be held on to. Could have just held on to it. But he said, no, he became a man and died the most horrible death, it says, on the cross for us. And now he's been given the name that's above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Amen. But we're called to have the same mindset. Let this mind be in you or this attitude be in your heart as it was in Christ Jesus, who although he was God, became a man and became a servant. Now, guess what? We're not God. We don't step down like he did at all as far as to that degree. Amen. We're called just to be who we're, he created us to be. Amen. And be servants of the living God. And what a joy it is because that's where the Holy Spirit's working. When you're serving others, I'm telling you right now, I have no greater joy in my walk than to seek Jesus and serve him and to see him at work in the hearts of brothers and sisters that I'm ministering to and being ministered to by them. It's amazing. When you, you, some of you may be listening by uh, live stream or some here, you don't know what's in store for you, man, until you start putting your feet forward in Jesus, man. You start praying for divine appointments. You start praying, Lord God, use me. I want to be used to your glory. I don't want my life to be a waste. I don't want to bury my talents. I want to lead people to Christ. Or I want to strengthen people in Christ. I want to be a witness. And you start getting involved in people's lives by sharing the gospel, knowing that you're going to get hurt here and there. That's part of it. We are in a fallen world, Amen. We are in a jungle, amen? We are ambassadors in a foreign land. So you go with that mentality. That way, whatever happens to you, it doesn't freak you out because that's part of the deal. You just put your feet forward. You go forward in Jesus. And you know what happens? You start seeing the Holy Spirit work. You start seeing the Lord God work. You start seeing, you start crying more easily because you're in prayer more often. And you start hurting for people more often. And you start seeing their plights. You start entering into their sufferings. And the eye cannot say the hand, I have no need of you, amen. You start recognizing when one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. And that only happens as you enter in and you get off out, you get off the sidelines. You say, hey, I want to be part of the kingdom, man. I want to be a warrior for the Lord. I want to be a servant of the Lord. And it's as you start going forward, you start praying, God, use me. Here am I, send me. And as you cry out to him to be used, amazing things happen. And you start seeing them happening. And you don't say, I'm only going to do these things if I see things happen. Okay? No, you walk by faith, not by sight. But guess what? Oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes a byproduct of that is seeing the Holy Spirit work in ways you're just like, wow, wow, wow. I can't tell you how many times I've said wow in my Christian walk. And my wife and I, you know, we just trip out. 
We trip out and a lot of people would say, well, that must have been, a, that's a crazy coincidence. Yeah, but after like the zillionth time, you're like, no, it's the Holy Spirit, God's working, amen. It's pretty amazing stuff. And to me, I feel bad for people who, you're not living life until you're living for Jesus, guys. And you invest your lives in the lives of others. Making disciples. I had two different brothers in the last month and a half, both in tears, crying to me that I hadn't seen in some time in two different, totally different states, saying, you discipled me, man, and my, my life's been totally different, you know? And it blessed me. And I don't, I don't live to hear that, you know? I live because I, 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 I seek the applause of one, that's God, amen? I wanna hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But it was so, it's so awesome knowing that your life can be used to impact others, amen? You know? And I was, I was visiting Jason and Anita, and, and I was just tripping out on, on, on and, 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 and uh, just Anita, it was great seeing her, and a lot of you know she used to teach the Bible study here, you know? And, and Jason had been an elder here for some time. And, and Jana, man, what a change. And Jana, if you've seen Jana, man, she's grown so much in the Lord, man. And she's like, just, we're talking, we're all three of us are talking, my wife's there, so all four of us, and then Jason's three kids, you know? <laughs> And we're just talking about her walk and how she's grown. And she started bawling. I'm starting to, I'm bawling and how much she's grown. And she goes, how come you always do this to me? I don't know. I'm like, I'm just talking about Jesus. And she loves Jesus. And I love Jesus. So she's like, boom, you know. And it's like, I'm telling Jason, your daughters, they blow me away. They come up in their three dresses and they're all dressed in the same dress. And when they all got ready for bed, they're all in their jammies, right? And then Jason wears the same jammies they do, but guy's version, you know? You know, <laughs> it's cute, you know? And I'm like, what in the world is so beautiful? And his daughters are talking, one's five, and so, you know, she's talking, but the other two, he's asking about their devotions in the morning. And one of them's like, you know what? Dad, I, 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 this was my scripture for devotions. Why'd you pick that scripture? Well, because it's on prayer, and uh, I wanted to just pray and seek the Lord and, and, and know that, uh, it talks about, it shows you that verse that God doesn't always answer your prayers how you want him to answer your prayers, you know? And, and I just need to keep that in mind because he doesn't always ask, because I've been asking for five feet of snow so the shimmels get stuck here for a while, you know? And I was like, oh, what a sweet prayer, you know? And I just, I go, Jason, look at the job you guys are doing, you know? And you know what? I'm nothing. But he's like, Joe, he goes, he's, he, at one point he was weeping and just because... We, we pour into brothers, right? And he's like, he goes, I, and I'm nothing, but he goes, I, I took notes just to let you know I studied you and how you were with your kids. And I've been doing all those things I learned from you, you know? And I go, Jason, you're doing more things that I didn't do too, and we're all different, you know? I always try to deflect, you know? But what I'm saying is, guess what? I'm only saying this because you make your life count. You pour your life into others, amen? You pour your life into others. And guess what? There's... When you pour yourself into others and you disciple them, you encourage them, you bless them, you know? It's like Jack, same deal. I haven't seen Jack in time. And I had some regrets. I told Jack, bro, I go, I, I got some, I go, man, you know, you helped start the fellowship with us, man. I wish we could have fellowshiped more through those last several years. You know, he's like, well, man, I was working the 40 hours a week as a fireman, but I was putting in all the overtime as well because I had, you know, three girls to raise in school and all those things. He goes, and he was a, he's a great brother. He was here, he was one of the steadiest brothers at Blessed Hope ever, you know, but I still, and he goes, but I was like, man, I'm so grateful that we get these few days together and we're weeping and, and so forth, you know, but he was the same, you know, saying, Joe, he goes, 
You know, he said to everybody for the barn, you know, and he said to me privately in tears to me, he goes, Joe, you sowed into me, you discipled me, you poured your life into me, you know, and you didn't just, he goes, he quoted, he quoted Philippians, or I'm sorry, not Philippians, Philemon, where, you know, and I don't want to get into the story there, but where a brother says, you know, I owe you my life. He goes, I owe you my life because you led me to Christ, but then you also discipled me, you know, and guess what, guys? Why did I do nothing hardly? I just opened my mouth. I preached the word of God. I shared Jesus. Jesus is the one who did it all, amen? But guess what we get to do? We get this glorious opportunity to share all that Jesus did on the cross, right? All that he did, all that he does by his spirit, and just simply be vessels. And all you do is say, God, use me. And then all of a sudden you have impacts. And I guess maybe the Lord's been speaking to me the last couple weeks as I visited both those brothers and I'm just admiring and just loving what, what they're doing in Jesus and, and seeing the beauty of what's going on in their lives. And it really blesses me to realize, wow, you know what? You know how many people's lives you can touch and you don't even know it? You don't even realize the impact you've had on them? Each and every one of you. Now, guess what I can do? Joe Schimmel on his own. Absolutely zero. Jesus said, apart from me, you could do what? Nothing. Nothing. But Jesus said, Paul said, I can do all things through who? Christ who strengthens me. By myself, in of myself, I'm just a zero. Amen? But guess what I have? I have the treasure of the gospel. And it's changed my life. Amen? I have Jesus. Amen? I have the light of his word. So we know how to live life and to live triumphant in life, to be overcomers in life. Amen? So I can share the living word of God with people. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God of salvation to, to what? To Jew first and also the Greek. We have the power of the gospel, man. Do you realize what you have? So don't think, yeah, but that's you. You're, you're, you, do, you do ministry. You're a pastor. Wrong. Wrong, wrong. When I got a hold of Jack and I was ministering to him long before I was pastor, already ministering to him. You don't, it's not about being a pastor. It's about being what God's called you to be. It's about you recognizing that you have the same power of the gospel. You have the same Holy Spirit that I have. That's my point. Don't get up there and say, well, the pastor is doing these things for Jesus. No, say, Lord, use me too. Amen. And that's what Jack and Sue are doing. That's what Jason is doing over there, right? And I look around this room and I see different people. I could just start naming uh, people as I go around, you know? I mean, I was just telling, I mean, I hate to brag on people, but I'm like looking at uh, Tommy, I love you, bro. Emmy, I love you. Where's Nick? I saw him earlier, but he's got a tight schedule. There he is over there, man. And guess what? And I know is, and you know, these kids all love Jesus. They're all here tonight. They're all doing things for him, amen? But guess what? Little old Aileen, little young Aileen, you're still younger than me, Aileen, I think. Uh, a little old Aileen. Powerhouse for Jesus, you know? I'm sorry, I'm going to embarrass you, sister. I was just bragging on you. I've do that once in a while because you blow me away. She blows me away. She just loves Jesus. She's been through her hardships. I'm not going to go through all those things, you know? Being a single mom for years, pouring her life into them in Jesus. And she'd be the first one to say, it's Jesus and his power, you know? And thankfully, Aileen, you're not like throwing holy water on them and, and putting a rosary over them and praying to Mary. Amen? But because you know that wouldn't do anything, right? It's because she knows Jesus. She loves Jesus. She shares Jesus. And I've seen her tenaciously be in fellowship and refuse to get away from the Lord. Amen? None of us are perfect. I'm far from perfect. But I've seen a pretty steady walk. And I see fruit. Amen? You keep your hand to the plow. Amen? You stay on fire for Jesus. It's, it's required of a servant 
Listen to this. I love this verse. It was so liberating. Early out of my Christian walk, I saw this as a young pastor, and it jumped out at me. It's required of a servant that he remains faithful. And I thought, you know what? I just want to be a faithful steward, Lord. I want to just do what you've called me to do. Because we are the branches, he is the vine. And it says that the branches hang in the vine, what are they going to do? They're going to bear fruit. Amen? The branch doesn't have to be like, oh man, I got to bear fruit. How am I going to bear fruit? How am I going to bring forth grapes? Oh, I don't know how. No, he just hangs in the vine. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abides in me will bear much fruit. Amen? You just, you just stick close to Jesus. And you'll be on fire for Jesus. There'll be an excitement with regard to your walk with Jesus. And you'll go forward from glory to glory in Jesus. And it'll be more and more beautiful. And, you know, I heard a conversation about a conversation between a Jew and a Christian and a non-Christian. And the non-Christian asked him to explain the difference between Judaism and Christianity. He said, the difference is, as a Jew, I practice my religion every day. He practices religion once a week. That's pretty sad, huh? There's not many Jews that you know that practice a religion every day. But that's sad if you're a Sunday-only Christian, but that's not true of true Christians, amen? We serve him every day, amen? If I was there, I'd say, that's not true, you know? I serve the Lord every day, man. He's, you know, he's my, my desire and the one I follow and the one I put first in my life. And so I have so many scriptures that I want to share with you. But I'm not going to turn this into a part three because I just went off on a tangent and I'm skipping several pages I didn't get to. But I want to do a part three on this. I'll work a lot of this into some other message because uh, two is enough to hopefully fire you up. Amen. But let's stay busy for Jesus, guys. Amen. Let's stay excited about him. Amen. Let's make sure that we're applying God's word to our lives. The best way to lose your fire is to lose your intimacy with Jesus. Not be in fellowship with him or the saints. The little lamb that gets away from the flock, remember Satan is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The animal that gets away from the flock is, a, is usually a dead animal pretty soon, right? That one coal that gets knocked away from the fire, what happens to that piece of coal that gets away from the fire? Gets cold and goes out, man. You need to be with the brothers and sisters in Christ. You need to be with your shepherd, amen, the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. You need to recognize that the little things you do for Jesus can bear tremendous fruit. I remember a brother saying that just an usher sitting him down in a pew and showing him love and just saying, God bless you to him, made him start bawling like a baby because he started to see the love of God in a Christian. Just gestures, uh, now, a gesture isn't going to save someone. You need to preach the gospel, amen? But we need to show people the love of Christ, amen? So I just want to encourage you. Keep your hand to the plow. Stay on fire. Stay in prayer. We talked about that last time. Stay in the word. Jeremiah said, man, I tried not to, I wasn't going to share your truth, you know? But then your word became like a fire. I couldn't contain it, amen? His word's living. Stay in his word. Stay in prayer. Stay close to Jesus. Don't leave your first love, Right? leave your first love, man, you lose the fire. And Jesus said that to a church that was at Ephesus. And he said, I have this against you. He said, you're doing great in some ways. You have good theology, basically, he was telling them, paraphrasing. He didn't say that, but he was basically commending them. You test those who say they're apostles and are not, and you found them liars. Good job. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, Jesus said, which I also hate. Good job. 
They were dotting their theological I's, crossing their theological T's, doing great. That's important stuff, amen? A lot of churches are doing that today. He says, but I have somewhat against you because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the things you did at first or else I will come to thee quickly and will remove thy lampstand out of its place. That church, each church is a lampstand. Blessed hope is a lampstand. Jesus walks in the midst of the lampstands. When he says, I'll remove that lampstand out of its place, what is he saying? Where are the lampstands? Revelation chapter one, the chapter right before that, John sees Jesus standing amidst the seven lampstands. Wow. He walks amidst the lampstands. To remove a lampstand out of its place, to remove it from the presence of Jesus. That's serious stuff, amen? And they're already wandering away. They weren't shining the light anymore. They weren't shining the love of Christ. The Bible says, keep your lamps lit in Luke chapter 12 and be dressed in readiness. Let's be on fire for Jesus, amen? You know what happens to those who are on fire for Jesus now? You'll be on fire for Jesus forever in ways beyond that you can dream or think. How do I know that? Because when I look at chapter 12 of Daniel and I look at chapter 13 of Matthew, it talks about those who shine for Jesus now. You know what it says you'll do? You'll shine like the sun in the stars of heaven forever and ever. Now that's what it says. That you're going to shine forever, man. The stars, the Hollywood stars, their lives are typically filled with filth, moral cesspool there. They're popular in this world. Jesus said he, that his last will be what? First. Those who shine for Jesus now won't go out. Like the 4th of July, you see all these fireworks, but they all go out, amen? You'll light up more and more, and you'll shine with him forever and ever, amen? And you'll be on fire forever and ever. Praise God. Can we all please stand?